Hello, I'm DJ Alexander. I've, um, I'm an outfielder for the Johnstown Mill Rats. Nice to see you guys. Hi, I'm Quentin. And I'm Michael. And this is Prospects for Sex Podcast, where we bring you our thoughts on Prospect League Baseball. News, notes, opinions, and our favorite happenings. Thanks for joining us for Episode 6. All right, we have lots of news in the Prospect League now. We are getting real close to the uh, end of the first half. Uh, the first half ends on at the end of the day on July 4th. There are some games on July 4th. The division winners are starting to get a little bit clearer, but then the, the water's kind of getting muddier in some of these divisions. So let's take a look at um, where these teams are at and uh, see what we're looking at for who's going to go ahead and secure themselves a playoff spot uh, for winning the first half. Uh, the Ohio River Valley, you got the Paint still in first. Um, in the Wabash River Division, the Danville Dans are in first. The Great River Division, Quincy is in first. And the Prairie Land Division, the Old Fallen Hoots are in first. Yeah, let's let's take a look at that uh, Prairie Land Division first. Um, the Alton River Dragons came out like gangbusters. They won like their first six games of the season, but they went six and nine after that. They've lost their last two. Uh, you had you had kind of thought that if anybody was going to be able to reel in the O'Fallon or reel in the uh, if anybody's going to be able to catch the Alton River Dragons, that it was going to be the O'Fallon Hoots and. Uh, what's I mean their record on their last in their last ten games is nine and one. Yeah, they've they've gone nine and one in their last ten games. They actually have won like nine in a row uh, at the time we're we're recording this. So O'Fallon has caught them now. I thought that the I thought that the Cape Catfish had a chance uh, had a good chance to win that one, but they have fallen on some hard times. They are two and eight in their last ten. They've lost their last seven. Um, and they just have not been able to find a way to, to catch fire and, and, and put it together um, for them for the first half. So um, I would say in the, in the Prairie Land division, I mean, Springfield kind of has a chance. They're hovering right around that 500 mark. But with, uh, with O'Fallon and Alton uh, River Dragons uh, doing what they've been doing the last, uh, last week or so, uh, well, Alton still kind of riding what they've what they did at the beginning of the season, but O'Fallon's really kind of hit the gas lately and and caught them. So, uh, might be right that O'Fallon's going to hang on to that. That one I think still going to be a contest right down to the last uh, right down to the last day. Let's take a look at the Great River Division. What do you got there? The Great River Division. Uh, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, Normal was dominating the division for a quite long time. They're in a third place behind the Lumber Kings and the, the Gems. Yeah, they're all really right there together. I mean, at the time we're, we're recording this, Quincy is 11 and 10, Clinton's 11 and 11, Normal is 10 and 11, um, but Normal had lost their last three. And so they're kind of they're heading the wrong direction. Quincy's the only one that had won, uh, that had a winning record in their, in their last 10 games. So that has kind of helped them get to the, get to the top. The, uh, the tricky thing, though, in that division is even though they're not part of the the uh, part of the chase for the first half title, Burlington seems like every now and then they jump in with a game where they just absolutely crush the ball, 
and they'll put up like a 10 or 12 run performance and beat somebody come out kind of come out of nowhere and beat somebody that maybe you you weren't expecting them to so you know out of out of you know Quincy uh, Clinton and normal I have no idea who's going to win the first half in this but it really might be Burlington who ends up deciding who wins that division because you know they 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 may jump in and and surprise somebody and knock a couple of people off as uh, as we get down closer to the season, even though they're uh, even even though they're only like seven and fourteen on the season so far. Uh yeah, I mean, like you said, Burlington could surprise basically any of the teams in the Great River Division or the Prairieland Division or even the Wabash River Division. Um, but if I had to make a prediction so far, maybe I don't know, uh, Clinton. Lumber, the Lumber Kings could probably, if they wanted to, they could catch the gems if they really wanted to. Yeah, it's good. That's going to be a fun one to follow as we get down. Now, another fun one to follow has been the Wabash River Division. Um, there's a heck of a race going on there. Both uh, Illinois Valley and uh, Terre Haute Rex have really gotten going of late. Um, Terre Haute's won seven in a row. Illinois Valley's won six in a row. I thought I. Danville was my pick early on that they were going to win it all, and uh, but they are kind of in a dead heat right now with those other teams. I mean, Danville's done great in their last ten. They've they've gone seven and three in their last ten. But I mean, Illinois Valley's gone eight and two. Terre Haute's gone nine and one. That's just that's insane. The kind of numbers Lafayette's at the bottom of the division and they're eleven and ten. They would be tied for first place if they were over in the Great River. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, if they were in the Great River Division, they'd be they were tied. But you know, your pick was Danville. Mine is the Aviators, and they're sitting at eleven and ten, with a four and six last ten games played. Um, they're not really doing so hot lately. They lost a couple of their last games, and yeah, I mean Lafayette is. I I would not count Lafayette out uh, for this one. They are still there's they're still a good team. Um, Danville, Illinois Valley, Terre Haute, they're all going to have to play each other a little bit coming down here the stretch too. So uh, still a chance for anybody in that in that division to come out with, but I, I, still, I still think it's going to be Danville. Yeah, I mean, Danville is a tough team, but let's look at the Ohio River Valley division. So the Paints in first, obviously, lost their last two. Uh, at the time we're recording this, they're six and four last ten games played. Johnstown's right next to them. They're eight and thirteen in second place. Four and six their last games played. One won their last game. The Miners are five and thirteen. Two and eight last t- ten games we played. They've on a two game losing streak. And Champion City five and fifteen. Two and eight the last games played. They're last two. Yeah the. The, the tricky part about that is that, I mean, you can look at those records and you can feel like, oh my gosh, we're, you know, we're, if, yeah, at John, let's look at Johnstown record, for instance. You, know, you can look at that and say, oh my gosh, we're, we're eight and 13. Our, our winning percentage is 381. Uh, we're only four and six in our last 10. We're, we're just, we're just not doing a, we're not really burning it up. But in order to make the playoffs in this league, you don't have to catch the paints uh, this year. I mean, if the paints win the first half, great. No problem. Um, even if the Paints end up winning the second half, whatever, you just have the you just have to have the second best record in the division. If if you don't win the second half, you just have to have the second best record in the division. Um, 
And then it comes down to whoever has the, the best record overall hosts that one game. And you know, as we've said a couple of times over the course of this podcast, anything can happen in one game. And so if, I mean, if you're Chillicothe, I'm not sure there's any of those teams that you feel super confident playing against in a one-game playoff. Yeah, I mean, that is true. We've seen over the past couple years how Chillicothe plays. They they would, you know, be on a losing streak and then pop off win the first half. And then, yeah, but the team that I'm really concerned for is Champion City. I mean, they're 5-15. and They're not looking too hot. Their winning percentage is 250. They've got some. They've got some really good hitters on that team, though. They've, um, if if they can if they can scratch out, you know, if they can scratch out any kind of hitting, um, you know, you get a couple of good pitching performances thrown in there, and suddenly you can you can uh, you can turn a losing streak into a winning streak real fast in this in this league. So, um, you know, we're still we're. Uh, we're still not sure uh, who's going to be those first half winners. We're getting closer to the uh, end of the first half. Uh, we think we've got a little better idea on on one of them, who that's or a, a real good idea still on on one of them, who that's going to be. But the rest of these are really up for grabs. So it's nice to have that kind of a, a playoff run, uh, have that that playoff atmosphere going early on in the season, even though we're just about four weeks into the season. Nice to have that to be able to look at for teams to be able to point out and say, "Hey, look, we're in a, we're we're in a playoff chase here." That's great for the fans. It's great for the players. Uh, it really helps them with with knowing that they've really still got something something to play for in a league like this. Uh, yeah, a lot of fan bases too. Speaking of having something to play for, one of the one of the best parts of prospect league games, and this is I mean this has been the case everywhere we go, is that. In between innings, there will be some sort of fan participation games. Um, whether that's, you know, whether they're drawing, uh, you know, ticket numbers, seat numbers, or whether it's, you know, an extra uh, program that you have to buy and you're dropping tickets into a box or something like that to get drawn. There are some fan participation games that go on that are really pretty cool uh, out there. And so we've seen several different kinds over the years. We've seen some come and go, and we've seen some come around that have, that have stayed. Um, Quentin, I, I got to find out, what's, what's your favorite between-inning fan participation game? Because you've actually been, you've actually been able to do several of these, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have been able to do some of them. Some of them aren't even around anymore, but uh, the favorite I have is, it's not around anymore, but it was the Frozen T-shirt contest okay the, the frozen t-shirt contest at va memorial stadium in chillicothe was amazing they, they would bring you out onto the field two they would bring out two kids and they would literally hand you a t-shirt that had been rolled up soaked in water and it had been sitting in the freezer so it was it was frozen solid so you would see kids with all sorts of strategies and the winner was was the first one to put the t-shirt on that was that was the whole point of the game but because the, the shirt was frozen solid you had to do all sorts of stuff to it to try to to you kind of bust the ice up and now and and honestly on a 95 degree day standing out on that field putting on a frozen cold t-shirt was was not a bad thing to, <laughs> to no. have happen right no not at all all right, I, I got to tell you, I mean, I've, I've had several I, I've had several over the years that I thought were pretty fun. The, the Dizzy Bat contest was always kind of funny. 
uh, you'd have to put your uh, put your forehead down on a, on a bat that was standing up, uh, touching the field, and you have to spin around a few times, get you kind of dizzy, and then they take you off running uh, running down the baseline, and you know that would nobody had a good time <laughs> trying to stay on their feet <laughs> racing against somebody else who was that one has kind of gone by the wayside I, I think maybe uh, you know fan safety and some uh, maybe some liability issues there with with people falling all over the place has made that one has made that one go away but I gotta tell you I we saw uh, we saw on prospect league TV we were watching the the uh, Johnstown and Lafayette game and it looked like they had a pretty cool uh, one going on there they had three people that were wearing like those inflatable suits uh one of them was a cow i think one of them was like superman and the other one was a sumo wrestler yeah and the other <laughs> and they they had this race that they had to do where they had to stop uh, you know along the way and do these different things along the way and that one was pretty cool all right <laughs> That one, that one was actually pretty funny. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed that one. So if I had to, if I had to do one, I think maybe the the inflatable suit one would be cool because at least you'd have a you know, you'd have a fan going that would help you out once during some of these some of these hot games, right? Yeah. One more thing we wanted to look at, um, you know this this league, uh, the the players, occasionally the players are local. Um, they're from different colleges all over the place. And so um, we've noticed that the league attendance figures, the, the league has started posting uh, the team attendance figures on their website. And we're noticing that there are some teams that historically have done really, really well in league attendance that are up high. And then there are some teams that uh, it's, it's, it's a really, frankly, it's kind of shocking. Um, how many uh, people are coming out to the games and it doesn't necessarily have to do with whether the teams are winning or not. Um, you got the, uh, up at the top of the list, you got the Clinton Lumber Kings, you got the Chillicothe Paints. Those teams have been doing really, really well. Um, you got the O'Fallon Hoots. They have been doing really well lately. You got the Springfield Lucky Horseshoes up there. All of those teams are averaging uh, over a thousand people per game. There's a couple others, uh, Lafayette and Danville, that are also averaging over a thousand per game. So you know, and but not all of those teams are really tearing it up as far as as far as the the uh, the one loss records go. Springfield is not. Now they're a brand new team, so there's some there's a new factor there. Uh, but then you've got some of the more established teams down that maybe even more down towards the bottom of the list. You've got Champion City. Uh, you've got Terre Haute, you've got uh, Cape Girardeau that won the championship a couple years ago, West Virginia, uh, Johnstown in their second year, still trying to get some traction uh, going there too. Those guys are all you know, right around 450 or below per game. Um, I, I just, I wonder, Quentin, we've, we've been in a, in a few of those parks, uh, both on the, on the high side and the low side of that. What what do you what do you notice? What's kind of the difference when you've when you've got a, a a bigger crowd versus when you've got one of these smaller crowds? A bigger crowd versus a smaller crowd. Well, all I can say is a big crowd. I mean, you got more support. You got more fan base. You, and then once you got more fan base, that that fan base will tell more people about 
the stadium, about the team, about the league. When you got a smaller fan base, it's kind of hard to do that. I mean, like you said, Champion City only has 380, 370. So when you have a smaller fan base, I mean, they'll try to get more people to come to the games, but nobody really has heard of them. So, yeah, that's that that's a it's, that's a great point because, um, you know, some people will look at those those numbers and say, well, you know, you've got the teams that are doing well, you know, teams win. There are teams that that you know maybe win a lot, and so people like to go to the game when they when they're going to see a, the, their their team win. And I, I don't know that that's the case. I, I, think, I think it's more likely that people are more likely to go if they're going to have fun at the game. Um, and spectators are more likely to go have and have fun at the game if the players are having fun at the game. If, if the product that they see on the field is fun then they're then they're going to have fun. Now it's it's you know it's easier to have fun and enjoy the game when you're winning. Yep, I absolutely get that. But there are definitely things that that people remember about the game, win or lose, when they see the players enjoying themselves, when they see the players playing hard, when they see the players, you know, uh pulling hard for each other and really uh, having having a good time, then th- I think that makes a huge difference in how, and that's kind of hard to build early on in a season, especially when some of these guys never, probably have never met before they get there to, to play on these teams. So um, one thing that we have noticed that has happened lately is teams are using a little bit more of their social media presence for some of this sort of thing. And the West Virginia miners have gotten themselves on TikTok. And they... <laughs> <laughs> Recently, they had a little contest to see uh, which of the players could come up with the best impression of Coach Tim Epling's famous dang response, which if you've ever uh, been to a game uh, where Tim Epling was coaching, uh, in probably doesn't matter where you've sat in the, in the stadium, you've probably heard him say that at one point along the way. since the players did it we thought maybe we should uh we should bring in our own attempt uh at uh, our impression of the coach so okay who's we didn't we didn't talk about this part beforehand who's going first i'm yeah. going first yeah all right so i gotta i gotta get into this i gotta i gotta i gotta imagine what's going on i gotta imagine i'm in the third base coaching box i'm tim epling and i've given the sign and my runner takes off from second base and he's gonna steal third and he takes off, and here he comes, and the batter takes the pitch, and the catcher throws down. And the play was really, really close, but I think he's safe. But the umpire standing way over behind the pitcher's mound calls him out, and I'm not real happy about it. And so uh, my immediate response is, dang! Okay, okay, okay. Dang! Wow, okay, that... Uh, that's pretty good. We we might have to we might have to get some of the West Virginia folks. We might have to get some of the other folks uh, that listen to our podcast to to tell who uh, who did the best uh, who did the best dang impression of Coach Epling. Um, folks, we are going to be uh, the the podcast is going to be away for a few days. I, I have to take an out of town trip. 
But we will keep on watching. We will keep on paying attention to the happenings in the Prospect League. We will be back right about the end of the first half of the season with more of our thoughts and comments. Make sure you visit prospectsforsuccess.org to check out every all of the happenings, to check out all of our episodes. We're on uh, all of the major podcast platforms. You can also catch our episodes on YouTube. And we will see you at the ballpark. Thank you.